0: What's up, everybody? It's Marcus D'Angelo, and we are back for another episode of Everybody's Got a Pod. And of course, you know this fella right here. That is the million-dollar man himself, the Hall of Famer, Ted DiBiase. Ted, what's going on?
1: Hey, Marcus, it's you, buddy. Uh, I am uh, another day, another dollar, or maybe the million-dollar man should say another million.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That would be nice.
1: Wishful thinking, right? Uh,
0: (laughs) Sure. uh,
1: Sure. I I I just... uh, over the last couple of days, I uh, I went and did an appearance in Canada. I hadn't been, to, I had not been to Canada for a long, long time. And I did an appearance there. Let um, me, it, uh, there was called, let me find it again.
0: Uh, I think I know this one, the Rena Rumble up there. In yeah.
1: Yeah. That's the one. And, uh, you know, it went great. Um, they, uh, they brought me in there. Uh, it, it's the arena organization is something that they help and, and uh, in different ways, uh, handicapped and uh, handicapped and I guess maybe even orphaned kids. So uh, it, it was a really good cause and uh, uh, it made it appearance at, they had a wrestling show and, and then, again, I've been in and out of Canada, you know, and they knew I had a ministry as well. So that's why they picked me to come up there. So anyway.
0: Man, that's awesome. And I'm sure that your fans north of the border were absolutely psyched to get to uh, see you and spend. Oh time gosh, man, I had I had, not,
1: I had not been to Toronto in forever. Like, I mean, it was like, I couldn't even remember when, so it was, yeah, it was really nice to go back and, and see a lot of friends. I, there, there was a couple, they're, they're not actually a couple, it's really funny. Uh, uh, one guy's name is Mark and, uh, the girl's name is Kathy. Mark and Kathy are very good friends. They're not married. They're not, they're just very good friends and they both love wrestling. And, you know, so when I would go to Toronto, I would see them together all, all the time, you know, and they, I mean, yeah, they're, they're just fans. Uh, you know, of course, Mark, Mark was there, um, for this thing. Uh, uh, and unfortunately, I guess Kathy couldn't make it. But uh, anyway, um, I was really glad he showed up because um, you know they they wanted me to make the presentation of this check to the organization, to the Arena mm. organization, and I did that right after right after the first match. Now, uh, and Mark was there, and he said, "Ted, he says I've I've been to some of these shows before. They could go." F- you know, you could be here till midnight. And I said, we're, we're leaving now. (laughs) And he took, I mean, and it was all the way across. It was, I mean, way back on the other side of Toronto, uh, by the airport was my hotel. And uh, Mark dropped me off there because I had, I had a 6 a.m. departure. Oh man. Now the Toronto airport, I mean, I don't think they even show up to, you know, start checking you in till like about 4.30. (laughs) <laughs> you know uh and, and i was there, you know? oh, <laughs> I was there I, yeah i was useless uh you know last when i got home yesterday i made it home uh you know I, you know i got home I, I, about uh 10 30 my flight landed in jackson and and i just I came to my room and uh, i spent most of the day in bed <laughs> man You're still out there
0: making the towns and keeping busy just like the old days. But man, I'm kind of, sort of. <laughs> Maybe not. The schedule is a little lighter. Yeah, but uh, but man, I'm I'm glad you uh, were able to make some time for us this week. Of course, you know we're we're always happy to get to chat with you and pick your brain. And and this week, Ted, we're gonna set our sights on 40 years ago in January and February, 1984, and the arrival of the mysterious Mr. R character. And man, I cannot wait to get into these notes. We've got some great videos to go along with it this week, and there's a lot going on behind the scenes for us to talk about. So, Ted, we're We're back here in uh, 1984. Well, actually, uh, it's right at the start of 1984, January 1st. You know, when we last left off, you had defeated Tommy Rich in a Loser Leaves Town match, and it was looking like the bad guy had gotten the better of the territory's favorite baby face. However, here on January 1st, 1984, you've got a match with Bob Armstrong in the Omni when a new competitor surfaces in Georgia. Let's have a look at our first clip this week.
2: Okay, and... uh let see uh, what's going on here. And suddenly here is this uh, masked Mr. R catching uh, Ted DiBiase and exploding with lefts and rights to the head. DiBiase being bat- beaten back up against the uh, ring ropes. And he is getting a taste of his own medicine. Yes, you know, uh, this Mr. R just happened to uh, come by, you know. And uh, Ted DiBiase, uh, how does it feel? Well, apparently doesn't feel too good. DiBiase catching it again from uh, <laughs> the mysterious masked Mr. R. so it looks uh well of course i don't know who that is but i know who you are johnny rich and it looks like uh, uh the riches are uh, back in action well gordon you know i said the riches would be there and uh they were there in full force and ted DiBiase, you know i just hope that uh, your head don't hurt too bad
0: <laughs> all right so there it was <laughs> the the famous debut of mr r what do you think watching it back all these years ted did it uh bring back any memories
1: Oh gosh, yeah, you yeah. know, that, that, and that was a lot of fun. And, and uh, in re- reality, what they did, they, uh, copied something that we had done in Mid South with Cowboy Bill Watts and, um, JYD. It was, it was a great gimmick. It was, it was a great, it was funny because, you know, um, for me to, you know, like, jump up and down and scream and holler and go, you know, everybody knows it's Tommy Rich. You know, everybody knows it's Junkyard Dog, you know, so.
0: (laughs) That's what was cool about it was that like both of the outfits are very obvious. Like you can just look at, you can look at Staggerly and say like, what's Junkyard Dog under a mask. Kind of the same (laughs) thing here with Mr. R. He's not even trying to like conceal his voice in promos. It's like very evidently uh, Tommy Rich. Uh so it does make me wonder though, Ted, uh, you know, I know I'm asking you to reach back 40 years, but do you recall if you would have come up with this idea for creative? Because I mean it's it's something that worked for you in Mid South to your point, and now you're well, bringing it to no, Georgia.
1: you no, know, it, it 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 wasn't it wasn't me. I mean, um uh, the create the original, I had already done this with Junkyard Dog mm-hmm. and Stagger Lee. And so um I know that um You know, I know that uh, you know. I'm trying to think if it was during that time. I don't think it was during that time because because you know I, I mean not you know ben, uh, Bill Bill came over, and he was going to um, kind of try to book, but that that was that was much later, and he didn't he didn't he didn't last he didn't last there long anyway.
0: So at but, this moment, the two the two people that were helping to book the most were Oli and Buzz Sawyer we're uh we're kind of in charge of all the creative so i don't know i i have a feeling i know that Oli was watching a lot of what was going on uh because that's how he uh he became interested in jake in the first place was watching him in like the the like 1980 mid-south so i know that Oli was very tuned in so maybe he saw that staggerly thing and said like well i've got dibiase here maybe we can kind of uh copy this idea yeah I didn't want to pass this by without uh, diving further into the name I mentioned earlier either. Uh, You're working in the Omni, uh, which is a pretty legendary building, and you've got a legendary opponent with Bullet Bar, Bob Armstrong, uh, who's the patriarch of the Armstrong wrestling family. Uh, Would this period have been the first time that you had crossed paths with Bob?
1: Well, you know, I had met Bob Armstrong, you know, I mean, of course, you know, like through actually, you know, meeting the boys. Uh, and, 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 and the sons who came up and by the way, the sons, uh, you know, you know, did well, (laughs) uh, you know, take they took their father's name and, and, and lived and lived up, lived up to the legacy. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I didn't, you know, and I, you know, and I knew of bullet Bob Armstrong before I, I met him because, you know, he's just one of those for that generation was one of the icons.
0: Well, if you remember, uh, Bob had been in a weightlifting accident and had his nose essentially torn off his face. He needed plastic surgery. It cost him like 30 grand or something, which is a a, a whole lot of money back then. Um, And that's why he would end up working under a mask for a while Um, here in Georgia. It was turned into a storyline during this time. And with the story being that you're the one who caused him to get the plastic surgery. And Ted, I've seen an internet rumor that you were actually there when Bob lost his nose and maybe even accidentally caused it to happen. So can you clear up that internet rumor? Were you actually involved?
1: No, <laughs> you know, I was nowhere near, <laughs> near that, uh, that accident. The the accident, you know, the accident happened, you know, it was, it was a weightlifting accident,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, where the, you know, the, the bar slipped out of his hand and it fell on his face. Yeah. And that, that's what happened. And I wasn't, you know, I was not know. I wasn't there. It's,
0: it's really funny because as I was doing research for this, I was like, I, I saw that rumor out there on online. I can't remember. It was like some message board or something. And somebody was saying that. I was like, there's no way. But other people were like corroborating it that like, yeah, I think Ted was there and may have bumped into the weight bench by accident, causing him to lose his, his grip. No, and I was like, ah, no, that just doesn't no, sound accurate to no, me. <laughs> no. Okay.
1: That's just fans, you know, that, you know, again, it's, Let's bury the heel as much as we can. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no wonder everybody back, you know, back in those days was pissed. They were like, well, here's this guy. Who he actually did hurt Bob. So no, uh, I guess it's no. good heat. Uh, what was it like working with an old timer like Bob? Did you have to adjust your style at all?
1: Uh No. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, gosh, I mean, it's kind of like uh, we call it doing the dance. And, um, you know, uh. Well, Dick Murdoch was not that much older than me, but, but I mean, again, a tremendous wrestler. It was Murdoch who actually got me booked with Bill Watts. When Murdoch just said he was, you know, he says, I'm going to work for Bill Watts in the, in the Mid-South wrestling. And he says, Hey kid, he says, if you want, he says, maybe, maybe this would be a good time to get your feet wet and see if you really want to do this. And if you do, he says, he's like, I think I can get you booked and he did with with bill and so the summer of 75 is when i actually started and i you know opening match every night you know but the guy across the ring was a, a veteran you know and uh, of course you know me loving the business the way i do i mean i i didn't just wrestle in and get the car and go on i watched all the matches i watched i mm-hmm. especially watched the, the guys in the main event because those are the guys drawing the money
0: so it sounds like, you know, working with a guy like Bob would have been a really easy transition for you because you had learned how to work in the first place from guys from his. Well, oh, yeah. And, 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 and guys like Bob. you
1: know, again, guys like, a, like like Bob would be there to, you know, you know, talk, talk you through it. Uh, you know, that's, you know, like uh, uh, a lot of people don't know that, but we talk to each other out there all the time. Uh, it's like a lot of times, it's funny some of the things you do. Like, you know, I I, mean, I might be laying on my back and the guy's got my arm, you know, and and he's looking at the referee who's right there, but he's talking to me. It, yeah. you know, as far as the crowd is concerned, you know, he's telling the referee something and he might be saying, okay, Ted, I'm going to back you into the corner and I'm going to go to turnbuckle. You You reverse the, uh, the turnbuckle and, and backdrop me coming out. And then you go and do it. You know, there's, you know, there's ways to hide it. And that's, that's part of the business. There you go,
0: folks. A little inside knowledge that you can only get from a guy like Ted and his experience. That's awesome. Um, Well, Ted, the classic heel that you are, you express your displeasure with the Mr. R situation. And we've got a clip of one of your promos from that time and uh, your threats for Tommy Rich
1: going on Gordon Soley? I smell a rat. I smell a big fat rat and his name is Tommy Rich. The man signed the contract. Everybody saw that piece of film that Johnny Rich was out here gloating over when somebody jumped me from behind. Everybody knows it's Tommy Rich. He's got no business being here. Well, let me tell you something, Rich. Let me tell all you Riches something. I'm going to Huntington tonight, and Brett Sawyer, I'm starting with you. And Rich, Mr. R, whoever you are, you stick your nose in that ring. And not only am I going to take that mask off, I'm going to take your head off with it. And then I'm going to Cincinnati tomorrow, and I've got this Mr. R in the ring. And I'm going to prove to everybody that it's you, Tommy Rich, and I'm going to get rid of you once and for good.
0: Hey man, uh, that line. Not only am I going to take your mask off, I'm going to take your head off with it. That's a badass line. <laughs> was, you were like the early Stone Cold, where I was like, "Hey, this guy's this guy's a bad guy, but I kind of like him because he's saying some cool shit." <laughs> oh, it was great, and the the crowd was just really happy to see you frustrated there, weren't they?
1: Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, that's the whole point, and and that's that. Again, you're you're you know, you're an entertainer. That's what we're doing. I mean, it's 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 wrestling, but we're, you know, and it's the more the more that uh, the heel can be humiliated, obviously the better, because you know the, the fans just love it. You know, when when everything backfires on him. So, and and that's what all the heels should do when that happens is you know. You know, go crazy, like, and everybody knows the heel is going to, uh, cheat to get the, the advantage. But then when you can have it backfire on them in such a way, it's kind of like, you know, like I thought I'd gotten rid of Tommy Rich and then this guy shows up with a mask and you know, he's got there's blonde hair hang, hanging out the back of it. And everybody, you know, he's he's wearing the same tights and boots. He's like, you know, like, are you people stupid? It's, you know, it's, Tommy, Rich. it's Tommy Rich. I mean, <laughs> he it was is the same, same thing with JYD, you know.
0: It's such a genius thing to do because it yeah. is obvious to everybody, but you're the one who kind of gets to stand there with egg on your face, and you know yeah. that's what that's what I hear about a lot of wrestlers today. Even the heels are kind of afraid to slip on a banana peel here and there, even though it's kind of their job. Like everybody wants to be yeah. the badass heel. Like yeah. it's okay for you to have to eat crow and you know look like a fool every once in a while,
1: right? Well, I mean, ultimately, that's what. Yeah, shoot, you want to, you want to, uh, you ultimately want to please the fans. You know, you know, you know, you know, like what, being a heel. I mean, you, you, you do things obviously to make them hate you, you know, but when, you know, now that they, they, they genuinely hate you when, uh, when you do slip on the banana peel and, and, and some of this stuff starts backfiring on you. Well, the more that you as the heel put that over, you know, uh, the, 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 the bigger, the, the bigger the laugh with, for the good, for the good guys.
0: Right. Like think about when you pull a prank on somebody, if that person no sells the prank, you're not really having as much fun at the end of it. But if they sell it hard oh, and they, they get yeah. angry, like, oh yeah. man, it's it makes it more fun. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, something else jumped out at me here, Ted, in that clip, you're beginning to grow out your beard, uh, for the first time in your career. You know, of course in the WWF, you would end up having a beard for, you know, the entirety that you were there. But I mean, up until this point, you've been clean shaven. Why grow out the beard at this time? Do you remember? I have
1: no idea. (laughs) Uh, you know, uh, it's kind of like, you know, I was always, I was always a legitimate baby face. I mean, it was kind of like, you know, when I started, uh, <clears throat> I was 20 years old or almost 21. Uh, but you know, a lot of people thought I still looked like a teenager. You know, and it's kind of like, and you know, most of the heels that you would see in wrestling, you know, were bearded guys and <laughs> these these rough, rough looking characters. You know. Mm-hmm. uh they you know they, they you know they, they didn't have a, a legitimately a, like a baby face and clean shaven and all that stuff so I guess I was just trying to look more like a man and not a boy <laughs> a little more rugged yeah there. absolutely.
0: Well, following this, you'd be working with the likes of Buzz Sawyer, Pez Watley, and Johnny Rich. And on January 26th in Toledo, you'll get a match with Mr. R, and he'll pull off a DQ victory so that you uh, still remain the champion. However, Ted, something interesting happens just two days later. As a reminder, you hold two titles at this time. You're the national heavyweight champion, which is the belt that you have with you on TV all the time. But the belt you'd never have with you is the one that you won in Japan back in October of 83, the United national heavyweight title. So it's, you're a double champion, but you're really only representing one of them. Do you have any idea why your other belt was not featured on TV ever?
1: Well, I mean, it's, you know, the thing about J- Japan's a whole different world. You know, it's kind of like, a, it's a different world. It's it's almost like, um, okay, you know, you could be, you know, you could be the whatever, and, and like, and like for, for example, Stan Hansen and I, Stan Hansen and I, you know, we we, we were the, uh, I guess you would call us world champions in in Japan. We were the, uh, you know, tag team world champions. Mm-hmm. But that was in Japan. That, that was never broadcast or mentioned in the United States. Okay. And it was kind of like, you know, um, <laughs> again, um, uh, back in the day, I mean, it's kind of like the, the, the titles, um, uh, the NWA, you know, it's like the, 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 okay. The world heavyweight champion, well, the NWA world heavyweight champion, you know, he was really the champion of the entire world. He was the champion of the NWA and what, whatever territories recognize that, that title. Gotcha. But they call him the world champion
0: so that united heavyweight it's 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 called the nwa united heavyweight uh title but i guess that was more of like a japanese title which is why it's called united presumably yeah Okay. Well, yeah, and it's it's interesting too because this belt that you have not defended a single time since you've come back to the American soil. You're going to defend it on uh, the 28th against Michael Hayes in Athens and Michael's going to pull off the victory and claim the belt. So, I have to imagine that Michael may have been getting ready to go start a run in Japan and that's why they wanted to put the belt on him. That's all I can think, I right?
1: Don't know. I don't know. I don't yeah. I don't remember this very well.
0: <laughs> And, and, you know, I figured like, you know, you might not even remember that you were a double champion at the time because like, gosh, probably most fans don't remember it because none of it was televised. This this match against Michael Hayes was just a live show. So it's like nobody really knows what's going on. But yeah, the whole f- thing just seemed weird to me. It's like this belt that's just been, you know, presumably sitting at your apartment or whatever, all of a sudden it's just, oh, it's on the line and you're going to lose it after never defending it. It's just, yeah, I don't know. The whole thing felt pretty strange. Um. Well, in any case, what can you tell us about working with uh, Michael Hayes? What was that like?
1: You know, my. You know, I, I love Michael. My, Michael, I tell you, Michael's really, real. His gift is he's he's really smart when it comes to, uh, like you know, Michael's make a great booker. Uh, his, you know, his understanding obviously the psychology of of the wrestling is 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 very good i mean it's like uh and i think he's still there i think michael is still working in the office for the wwe in some ca- capacity as you know uh you know part of part of the creative team mm-hmm. um and you know if he's not still there then it's you know uh, you know i don't i don't know about i don't know what why he wouldn't be but uh, you know uh for as long as I can remember, and every year that I, you know, go back and show up and see him, he's still there working for the, working for Vince.
0: Man, a really sharp creative mind, isn't he?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> and I would tell him, I said, Michael, yeah, you're a real smart guy, pal. I said, but you know, you need to learn how to work. <laughs> <laughs> you need, you need to learn how to wrestle in the ring and not hurt somebody.
0: <laughs> With, did he have a reputation for hurting folks out there? Not, not really. He
1: just, you know, just wild and crazy. Uh, but you know, like he, he, you know, like he, it was him and Terry Gordy, Terry Gordy was a, a great wrestler, buddy. I'm going to tell you what, uh, Terry and I had a lot, we had several, I mean, we wrestled in Japan together a lot as well. And then the, what was the third member of the, um, Buddy Roberts, Mm -hmm. but, and Buddy, Buddy was a good worker. He was a funny guy too, but he was, he was also a very good wrestler, you know? So anyway.
0: (laughs) You know, it's funny because as we're recording this, I just uh talked to Jake yesterday about the Freebirds cuz uh they had their last match uh for him uh, against him in WCCW when he was there. And so he was kind of talking about the Freebirds a little bit and he said that uh Buddy may have actually been the best worker of the bunch. He was he was the one who was out there taking all the bumps and kind of doing yeah. all the hard work. Um That's yeah, right. Yeah, the you would you would say uh best worker even above uh Gordy?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, overall, I would say best worker Gordy, I mean uh, Gordy, and 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 and, and, and the, the best speaker of the group was Michael, <laughs> and he was the worst worker. <laughs> and it's funny and because- Michael, if you ever hear, hear this podcast, you know I'm, you hear me laughing, you know these, guys, you know, don't get offended, Michael, you don't yeah. be offended, you know, I love you.
0: um well you know it's you mentioned it he's uh he's not a technician in the ring and that's something that pretty much anybody who talks about him recognizes but he might he's easily the best showman of the bunch um from your perspective and and,
1: and in terms of of and he was actually was hands down the best on the microphone oh
0: my gosh yes yeah Yeah. unbelievable like just a heat magnet too like really really good at getting people pissed at him Um, so from your perspective, Ted, would you say it's better for you as, as a heel during this time to work with a guy who's more technically sound, or is it better to work with a guy who's got more of a flamboyant over the top personality?
1: Oh gosh. I mean, you know, as a heel, it's, it's, um, I mean, you gotta, you gotta learn how to work with everybody and, and what, you know, what you gotta do is you have to figure out and, you, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you got to study people. And, and there's a lot of guys that I, you know, I would watch, uh you know, before I wrestled. And I, I would pick out the things that they did very well. And, of course, it, I in terms of the body, the actual physical wrestling match. And I would try to highlight the things that they did well. And I would just try to stay away from things that he could, like, for example, JYD. What we, I, what I'd always do with him is I would, I would get the, I just get the ton of heat on him, you know, and he, you know, cause he sold well. He sold, you know, and he didn't have to do a lot of that stuff. And then when it came time for him to make his comeback, you know, that's basically what I would do is I was like, I would have, you know, he, he, he basically stood, sit him in the middle of the ring, you know, it's like, okay, backdrop me, you know, clothesline me, you know, you know, and so I kept, I kept feeding him you know, to where he didn't really have to run around the ring that much.
0: There's something you guys can look for if you go back and watch one of the old matches, watch near the yeah. end when he makes his comeback, see if he's just standing in the middle of the ring. I bet he is. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, after you drop the belt to Hayes, there's a lot of other interesting stuff going on here. Uh, for one thing, you're in the Omni on February 5th, and you're taking on none other than Jack Briscoe, and you're going to defeat him and retain your national heavyweight championship. Jack is a verified legend at this time and is considered an all-time great. He's a former NWA world champion. Uh, What did you think about sharing the ring with a guy like Jack?
1: Oh, man, I I tell you what. Um, You know, I I looked forward to that match so much. And when when they told me we were going to do that, I said, oh, this is great, because this is going to be a night off for me. All I got to do is shut up and listen. <laughs> and, and 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 of course, and I, I again, yeah, I had that much respect for Jack uh, because you know he had you know he'd been an NWA World Champion, and he was a good one. You know, one of the greatest wrestling matches I ever saw was Jack Brisco and Dory Funk Jr. Uh, wrestling for the NWA World Title in Amarillo, Texas. They wrestled one hour to a draw. But oh my gosh, what an unbelievable match! Just incredible.
0: Now, uh, his brother Jerry's working here at this time as well. Um, have you had the chance to step into the ring with Jerry as well?
1: Um, yeah, yeah, I, wor- I worked with Jerry as well, and Jerry, yeah, obviously, and Jerry was a you know very good hand. You know, I mean, uh, but I would still, I would still, you know, put Jack ahead of me. And Jerry, if you ever see this podcast, you know, just (laughs) I love you. I love you.
0: (laughs) Jerry, I know that Jerry loved his brother Jack, so I'm sure he'd probably agree. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah.
1: And, 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 and and you talk about a couple of really good guys, they, they were great, they were great, man. Well, they were
0: also helping to run the territory at this time. Um, And what's interesting here, Ted, is on the same night, February 5th in the Omni, as you're facing Jack, Jake Roberts uh, faces Jerry Briscoe and captures a victory. Jake spoke to me on the Snake Pit about this exact match in this moment because uh, there were some really big things that resulted from it. Jake assumed he was putting Jerry over in the match, but instead Jerry told Jake in the middle of the match to hit the DDT and beat him. And when Jake goes for the cover, Jerry offers him the booking position in replacement of Oli and Buzz Sawyer. So apparently, Oli was absolutely furious about the change, and Buzz was so upset that he quit the promotion following this. So right here in the ring, live while in action, Jake is finding out from Jerry that he's going to become the new booker for Georgia. Yeah. I mean, man, there's a lot to discuss here. First off, do you remember Jake getting this opportunity?
1: Uh, Well, I was there. Um, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't, you know privy to that that conversation but yeah and you know that's the other thing about jake that i have always admired he has that skill and it's kind of like you know and uh, you got to know what you what 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 you're really good at and what you're not you know it's kind of like for me my my skill was you know you tell me what you want and I could go out in the ring and I can make it happen. And I can, you know, you, you give me any, any opponent, if I have time to study him or whatever, and I can make that guy look good or, 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 or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, but you know, I wasn't the gifted booker, you know, I wasn't like, okay, the guy who could say, okay, we're going to do this with this guy and this guy, and they're going to do this. And then the following week, cause then you got to, it's kind of like you stay, you start way out here, and you and you work backwards. That's what I've been told. You know, it's like you start you start at the end where you're gonna finish, and then you work backwards. Yeah. And and, and uh, anyway, but yeah, Jake's always had a great, a great head. You know, and, and the for and for the psychology and and, and you know uh, putting guys together. I mean, I could I could see where different guys would be suited for one another and stuff like that. But, but to be that idea guy to think about, okay, we're going to do this and then we can do this. and Then we can do this. uh, That was never me, but Jake, Jake's always had that.
0: Now, did you know that about yourself at this time? I ask because I'm I'm curious. Like if, if Jack or Jerry had offered you a spot booking, you know, you still being a fairly fairly young guy in the business, do you think you would have accepted it thinking you could do it? Or did you know even back then, like, nope, not No,
1: no. I knew back then I said, you know, that that's not for me, you know.
0: So Well, and Jake was passionate about it. He talks about it even to this day that, you know, every time he went to a new territory, he was like, hey, can I help book? And he would end up helping uh, Bill Watts book here down the road for free. Bill Watts wasn't paying him for it. He was just doing it because he loved doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, we discussed before that Buzz and Oli both had a tendency during this era to book themselves to look really strong, most notably with Buzz and his brother Brett defeating the road warriors during this time. Uh, it's funny because as I look at events after this, as soon as Jake takes over, he's consistently putting over Ronnie Garvin. Kind of shows you that Jake is all business, doesn't it?
1: Uh huh. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Uh, What do you think about it when an active wrestler gets the opportunity to book? You know, most of the time it's a guy who's either a promoter or a former wrestler who gets the opportunity to uh, pick up the pencil, as they say. I mean, obviously Jake is willing to do business, but we hear that a lot of other guys like Oli and Dusty and plenty of others were not quite as responsible when it came to objectivity.
1: Uh, Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's kind of like... It's kind of like, if if you're going to be the booker, then be the booker and, uh, be objective enough to not try to always highlight yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's, if you can, if you can find that, that balance to where, you know, uh, uh, you know, you know, like you're making your you know, okay, you, you became the book booker, and then uh, I'm trying to think one of the guys that they had book in there while I was there, he was horrible. Uh, your first run in Fuller,
0: yeah, that was your first run there.
1: Robert Fuller was horrible, Booker. Oh my gosh, <laughs> he wasn't even really that, that good of a wrestler. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, you know, yeah, he almost. You know, I'm I'm glad Buck Robley came along because Buck came along and took the book, and I and Buck saved me, buddy, because they had just about killed me. You know, killed me off. Not you know, maybe not intentionally, but it's kind of like uh, Robert Fuller was told to get me over, and the way he was getting me over was he was booking himself with me. <laughs> I, I mean, as a tag team. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, Well, and for those of you who can uh, remember, it was when Buck Robley took over. That's when Ted got the creative with the Freebirds, where he got all those pile drivers and stuff. Yeah. Which is, man, a really strong angle for him to leave Georgia on the first time around. Yeah. So uh, that's all thanks to Buck Robley. So, yeah, he's one of those guys with great mind for the business.
1: Yeah, I spent four days in an Atlanta
0: hospital, and there wasn't a thing wrong with me. (laughs) That's (laughs) a good looker. (laughs) That is dedication to the craft. (laughs) Uh, Ted, in this month, you're bumping up against some stars from wrestling's past. But interestingly, you also get a chance to team up with wrestling's future and a couple guys who will go on to be considered by many the greatest tag team of all time. You were not in the Legion of Doom with Hawk Animal and the Spoiler and Jake. But on February 10th, 1984, you're going to team up with uh, the Road Warriors to beat Brad Armstrong, Mr. R and Brett Sawyer. So at this time, the Road Warriors are apparently green as goose shit. Uh, What, what was it like working with them?
1: Oh, my gosh. Uh, again, good guys, uh, but, but not great wrestlers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, they just, I mean, they, they had the look, and uh, I mean, and, and to their credit, they, they, they did pretty good on a mic, you know, but I mean, oh, my gosh
0: this is essentially, I mean, they had just started in Georgia in 1983 and they were just brand new to the business. I mean, Ted, when you take a look at a card as you're like, okay, what am I doing tonight? And you see that you're paired up with the road warriors. Is that like, it's got to feel like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to be taking a million bumps tonight. Like, was that pretty much like the vibe or how did you feel about it? Oh yeah.
1: Well, I'm not, I don't think I'm, I don't think I worked with them much then
0: (laughs) beyond that. (laughs)
1: Uh, but 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 personally, both those guys were wonderful guys. Now Mike Mike H- Hixxeran, that's right, and that's his his real name. Yep, Hawk. Hawk's real name, and Mike was a great guy. He I mean he'd give you the shirt right off his off his back. But you know, Animal was the one that was kind of like. Yeah, he had to keep, he had to help Mike keep both his oars in the water. (laughs) You know,
0: like even here in Georgia at this time, it's like pretty obvious that these guys are on the gas. They're, I mean, they're, they're built like nobody else in the business. You could probably argue that they're about as big, if not bigger in muscle as Hogan. Um, so they're they are absolutely massive. And, uh, you know, certainly there were no strangers to the party scene. Jake and I talked about it on a Legion of Doom episode on our podcast. I mean, at this time, did you recognize that there were drug issues going on and not just with those guys, but in general, were were people displaying that they had drug issues or was it not quite so prevalent just yet?
1: Uh, well, you know, it's kind of like, you, you know, you knew who was, you know, you, you know, you know who the druggies were. Mm. You know, you'd find out. I mean, it's kind of like, uh, you, know, you know, pot was a big thing then, and I, I, I couldn't stand it. It was it's like, <laughs> okay, two things happen when I, when, if I smoke a joint. <sighs> it's like, wake up, Ted, <laughs> wake up, you know. And then when, then when I do wake up, I'm really hungry. that's that's the same with me (laughs) the munchies man but I I mean it's kind of like but pot you know it's kind of like JYD and I'd seen him do it JYD would get in a car and he's driving and early in the morning and he would smoke a joint and it was like for him it was like giving him speed oh he'd get happy yeah he'd get happy and and alert (laughs) No, nah, you know, I, I, but pot never did that to me. No, 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 no. You know, nope, you know I might as well I, just find the corner and just go, you know, give me a pillow. I want food and I want
0: TV whenever I smoke pot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, let's get to something I think a lot of listeners are going to point to as the main event of the podcast this week. You've got a TV match on February 18th, and you're set to defend that national heavyweight title against Mr. R. Let's drop in on the final moments of this one.
2: ...with that uh, glove. has Mr. R in trouble here. Davey drives a foot to the side of the head. Diassi with a full body slam. You can see everybody giving a thumbs down signal to Diassi. He's after the mask. Wait a minute. Just a second. There, the mask is off. But there outside the ring is Tommy Rich. That's Brad Armstrong in the ring. Brad Armstrong in a side reverse. He got the fear. Oh, you Brad Armstrong has just taken the National Heavyweight Championship away from Ted DiBiase.
0: All right, there it was. What a moment. <laughs> That's something I see yeah. and hear about all the time. Brad Armstrong and Tommy Rich pull a fast one.
1: Yeah, uh, that, that was a great, that was a, great, and that was good booking too, man. Brad was great. Uh, he's another one that, you know, God bless him. He just wasn't with us long enough. And, uh, but he, you know, he was, I loved working with him. He was easy. Uh, he was a real deal too, you know, and Tommy, Tommy was, you know, great, he was great on the microphone and, and everything, but just as country as the day is long.
0: He certainly was. And, you know, it's, I've heard a lot of people say, uh, you know, actually, when you and I did our episode before talking about Tommy Rich, and I said, why do you think he never got a shot in the WWF? I saw a lot of people were making the comment, like, he's probably a little bit too country for Vince, Um, which is something we've heard over the years that Vince really wasn't interested in guys with those real strong Southern accents. So uh, I don't know. Do you think that that might have something to do with it? I
1: have no idea. You know, and, and, you know, but of course, I, again, I wondered as well. You know for somebody like that that why you know why vince wouldn't take an interest in him i mean jyd jyd you know had his run with with vince but it, it wasn't very long was it
0: well he was up there for about three years and then uh if if i remember right he actually quit with no notice or something like that i think he was starting that was when he was starting to experience some serious drug dependence um yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was up there for a while. I mean, like Vince has brought uh, some very southern folks up there. But yeah, that's that's always kind of been the rap is that he really doesn't like. You know, uh, uh, Tony Schiavone came to work there in 1989, and apparently Vince said like, "Hey, you got a little too much Virginia in your voice. You gotta you gotta make it sound like you work in New York." So Tony had to adjust his voice. Uh, so yeah, it's I don't know. It's it's a it's a strange. You know, I, well,
1: yeah, I, I never really I never do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, so, I mean, maybe it's not quite as prevalent as we're all led to believe, but yeah, that's always been like kind of the rumor about Vince is like, Nope, he does not want strong Southern accents. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Well, so Brad Armstrong, let's talk about him for a second. You know, obviously you just worked with his dad bullet and I'm sure you've worked with uh, many of the Armstrong brothers for your money. Is Brad the best worker of the bunch?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Hands down. He was so good. Yeah.
0: What set him apart?
1: uh you know i don't know i mean just i mean he it, he had the total package i mean uh you know uh, again uh his his brothers you know were 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 built fairly well but he was he had i think the best body the best he had the best look um yeah he just he was the guy you know try not to take anything away from the other guys I mean the like, mic. I mean that—that's a whole family of wrestlers, and 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 they were all good. They
0: were, uh, and, you know. I think you could probably argue that uh, the uh, Road Dog Brian Armstrong was probably the yeah. best on the mic, maybe. But uh, you know, and when I, even I know that Brian would even tell you today, like, nope, Brad was the best worker of the bunch by a long shot. I mean, yeah, he just, but, he just but road, road
1: Dog, you give him the microphone.
0: Oh yeah, one of the most uh-huh. entertaining guys on the mic ever.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of folks over the years talk about what Brad was missing that kept him from reaching greater heights in wrestling. Um, You know, it sounds like he had a lot of the key elements. Ted, what do you think it was that he just did not have that kept him out of the main event consistently?
1: You know, I, I, it'd be hard for me to say... Um, I I really, you know, I don't know. I never really thought about that. Um, But, you know, he, you know, he would get a, he would get a push, but he never did get the the push. Right. Yeah. So I don't, I, I really don't know.
0: You know, the the thing I've always heard uh, over the years was that he had this really great personality backstage, funny, easy to talk to, one of those cool guys. But uh, apparently he had a hard time bringing that to the screen where it's like maybe his charisma was lacking a little bit. I don't know.
1: It could be, you know. um, Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, because, I mean, like I said, Rogue dog, give him the microphone and he'll talk all day. You know, he's got, he had good mic skills. And, um, but I think, I think that Brad was a, a better worker.
0: All right, guys, we're going to be back next week with another episode and it'll be time again for us to turn our attention back to WCW in 1997 to talk about Ted's run with the NWO and the build to Super Brawl that year should be a blast as always. But look, before we go, I got to remind you guys get over to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at everybody's got a pod. Go and get subscribed. Tons of great clips and hacksaw Jim Duggan has joined us over there. Ted's old Rat Pack partner and uh man not only are we doing the hacks hour there exclusively on that youtube channel but jim also provides fantastic videos from his day-to-day life the most recent one is jim on the jericho cruise and let me tell you, brother that has got some great stuff from jim he's hilarious and always brings the energy so go and check that out again it's youtube.com at everybody's got a pod go and get subscribed Follow Ted on social media at MDM Ted DiBiase on all social platforms. Follow me at Marcus P. D'Angelo on X. And follow the podcast at Ted DiBiase Pod on all social platforms. Ted, it was another fun look back to Georgia again, my friend.
1: All right, brother. Uh, Look forward to the next time. And remember, always, everybody's got a price
2: for the million-dollar
1: man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) See you guys next time on Everybody's Got a Pod.